All right, let's, uh, let's look at our passage for today, which is John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verses 1 through, uh, 10 through 13. John chapter 1, 10 through 13. Here's what it says. And it's talking about Jesus. He was in the world, and the world, and the world was created through him. Yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born, not of natural descent, not of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. This is the word of the Lord. Pray with me. Father, we are all gathered here um, uh, to hear whatever it is that you have for us and to worship you. And I pray that your word that goes out of my mouth would not be in vain, but would accomplish the purpose for which you send it. And we wholeheartedly believe that that's what you do every time we gather together. And you do it by your own power, by the power of the Spirit, and for your own fame and for your own glory. So we pray you would do it now in Christ's name. Amen. So, um, if you're new with us, we are continuing our study in the book of John in the Bible. Uh, the second part of the Bible, which is after the birth of Jesus, uh, starts out with four biographies of Jesus' life. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So, we're looking at the book of John, and we've titled this series, uh, Good Life. Because that's what John is all about. It's all about how Jesus came to give us life as it was meant to be um, lived. So, um, this season, uh, this is the season of Advent in the church. The churches throughout history have celebrated Advent, um, and uh, throughout the world even today. Advent simply means arrival. We're celebrating the birth of Jesus. Well, that's already happened, right? And so uh, the church looks back to the birth of Jesus, but we also look forward to his return uh, again one day. And uh, I love this season in life of the church. Like, I, love, I, love, I love Christmas time. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great time uh, of the year, right? Uh, and one of the reasons I like it is because of all the songs, all the, the Christmas hymns and the songs. And uh, we sing about all kinds of crazy stuff, don't we? We just had some crazy words here up on, 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 on the screen. Uh, all throughout the Christmas season, people are hearing these songs and, uh, and singing them. A lot of times we have no clue what these words mean, <laughs> do we? Um, uh, for instance, we uh, sang last week, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. There's a line in it that says, Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail incarnate deity, right? Does anyone want to break that down for us this morning, what that means? I'm just kidding. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it. But uh, yeah, we sing all kinds of stuff like that. Um, but it's beautiful when you become a Christian because you start learning what some of this, these words mean, and uh, they take on a really a whole new meaning, so you can actually sing them as a believer um, in, uh, in Jesus. Um, there's another part of that song that says, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the new newborn king. And we're going to actually, we're going to actually explain what those words mean here this morning. We're going to take this line, uh, born to give them second birth. And we're going to break that down, okay? Because Jesus was born to give us second birth. That's the big idea. Born to give them second birth. So, the first part of that is he was born. Okay, we got to get that down first. He was born. And we see this in our passage today. John chapter 1, verse 10. Look at that. 
Here it is. He was in the world. That's pretty simple. Jesus was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world uh, did not recognize him. And really, that phrase, he was in the world, that man, that ought to stop us dead in our tracks. That Jesus was in the world. That he existed. He was really born. And uh, this is what we celebrate during the season. We celebrate the birth of Jesus, the fact that he came into the world. And, and John was an eyewitness to that. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were all Jesus' followers. They saw Jesus. They touched Jesus. They ate with Jesus. They heard Jesus. So, this is an, John is an eyewitness historical account of the life of Jesus. Now, when we, when, we, when, when we have an interaction with the Bible, which is what we're doing here this morning, we have to come to grips with the fact that the Bible is coming to you as history. The Bible does not say, hey, I would like you to read me as a fairy tale. I would like you to read me and hear me as a legend or as a myth. All right, in fact, I would, imagine, I would, I would uh, venture to say that there's virtually no scholar, Bible scholar, whether they believe in Jesus or not, that believes that this day. The Bible claims to be fact. Now, whether we believe those facts is one thing, all right? But John is saying that Jesus was real. He was in the world, right? Now, let me ask you a question. Have you considered that? Have you considered the fact that Jesus was like a real dude? Like, even outside of the Bible, there are people that give testimony to the historical uh, reality of Jesus. So it's not just the Bible that says that Jesus was like a dude, real dude, but uh, other people who weren't even Christians uh, say that. And once we come to the, uh, understand that, it changes the meaning of Christmas. Because let me just share this with you. There would be no Christmas without Jesus. This is why the holiday exists. I'm not talking about just like why people celebrate. I'm not talking about the meaning of it. I'm talking about its existence. How did it come about? Well, here's how it came about. Right? You can just go on Wikipedia. This is common knowledge. Wikipedia, here's what it says. In the second century, that's like 300s, the earliest church records indicate that Christians were remembering and celebrating the birth of the Lord. So the Christmas holiday exists because Jesus was born. He was in the world, so you're welcome. You're welcome on behalf of Jesus for all the fudge and, and all the, all the you know, garland and, and trees and lights and all the holiday cheer and eggnog. It's because Jesus was, Jesus was born. He was in the world. And if you can accept that Jesus was a real person, you got to wrestle with the things that he said, the claims that he made about himself and his teaching. Specifically, in the context of the book of John, John, we just sang this, that he was the word from the Father. John chapter 1, verse 1 says this, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And that's John's way of talking about Jesus. He called him the word. So John says that in the beginning, Jesus was there. So before there was any universe, because the universe had a beginning, right? Before there were any planets and any galaxies, Jesus was there. That is breathtaking. This is, what, this is John's claim about Jesus. But you know what? It was Jesus' claim about Jesus. Jesus, in all kinds of different ways, claimed to be God. Now, what would happen, what would you think about one of your friends if they claimed to be God? 
Well, Jesus was a real man who claimed to be the real God. You have to sit down on that for a second. C.S. Lewis uh, was an agnostic professor uh, at uh, Cambridge and Oxford during the 50s and 60s. Uh, 60s. He, uh, you know, didn't really, he wasn't a Christian, you know. He, he was against it, you know, and he didn't believe in it. But then he, he eventually became a Christian. He was overwhelmed by uh, the evidence and um, true claims of Christianity. And this is what he said in his book, uh, Mere Christianity. He says, I'm trying to prevent anyone from saying that really foolish thing that people often say about him, Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher. Right? And this is where a lot of people, I, Jesus was a, he was a spiritual guy, he was a guru, he was a good man, he was a good teacher. He says, I'm trying to prevent anyone from saying that foolish thing, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing that we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. And you've got to make your choice too, because Jesus claimed to be God. And you've got three options when it comes to that. And, and C.S. Lewis, uh, his what he's, what he's talking about here is called the trilemma. He's either a liar, Jesus lied about being God, or he's a lunatic. I've worked in mental health for a long time, and I've met many gods and many Jesuses. He's a lunatic, or your third option is he really is Lord. That's all you got, and you got to make your choice. Everybody's got to make their choice uh, when it comes to uh, that because the claim is so substantial. Look at verse 10 again. He was in the world, and the world was created through him. He's talking about Jesus. That the entire universe was created by Jesus. Think about that. Uh, it's like a Clint Eastwood movie. Clint Eastwood, uh, he directed a lot of films that he put himself inside of those movies. That he starred in uh, a lot of his own, own movies. So, so uh, Jesus is the director of the entire universe, yet he chooses to take on a role. He comes in. Your life, whether you realize it or not, has been directed by Jesus up to this point, and he got you here uh, this morning because he loves you and he wants to give you a chance. He wants to give you an, an opportunity. See, Jesus came into the film. Jesus was born into the film for a reason. The one who was born, Jesus, is the creator of all things. He's the eternal God. He's the word made flesh. He is incarnate deity. He is, he is the deity. He is God who came and wrapped himself in our flesh, in our humanity. He is the word of God who became a silent babe. But he did that for a reason. And that's where we want to we uh, think about here for a minute. What was, what was the purpose for which he came in his birth? Well, the song says to give us second birth. He was born to give them second birth. That's the second thing we want to look at here. Jesus was born to give us second birth. Look at verse 13. Verse 13 of John chapter 1 is talking about those who come to believe in Jesus who were born. See it? Born. Not of natural descent or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. So, our passage this morning is talking about that song. It's talking about the second birth. It's where the song came from. Passages like this in the Bible. So what is the second birth? What is that? 
Right? Well, it's what Christians and theologians call the doctrine of regeneration. Right? Uh, it's the teaching, the Bible's teaching of, of regeneration. You guys want to know what that is? I knew you did. I knew you came here for this this morning. Here, here it is. It is the Bible's teaching that God renovates the heart, the core of who we are, by putting within us a desire and also the ability to positively respond to Jesus. That's what it is. God gets deep down in your soul, in your heart, to help you respond to Jesus in a positive way. In other words, you come to believe in him. You come, become his disciple. You, you, get that, you get that deep down want to and curiosity about Christ. It is God putting his heart down, down and within you to where you begin to lose the taste for sin. That's what it is. And you get a taste uh, for him. Uh, me and my wife went to a concert in Pittsburgh uh, this past week. Uh, we went to see Billy Strings. Right? It was awesome. We, we, we had a blast. But uh, uh, it was right downtown uh, Pittsburgh. And uh, I grew up in Berkeley and uh, left for like 20 years and uh, spent 20 years in, in the city. And when you live in the city, you become a different type of driver. Right? So all of a sudden, we got down Pittsburgh. Man, my city driving skills kicked in. and It was on. Right? I was trying to get pole position. You know, I was trying to, to, I was trying to, you know, you just become a different, you can't drive that way around here. You'll get shot or something. You cannot drive, uh, you got to calm down if you got city driving skills. You cannot do that here. Uh, you, have to, you have to let people out and stuff like that, you know. Uh, but anyway, uh, there was a lot of one-way streets there. And uh, when you get downtown, the second birth, regeneration, is a one-way street. We don't go up that street, by the way. It is God coming to us. That's what regeneration is. It is entirely God's work. It is not something that man can do. All right? It is the, it is the work of the Holy Spirit. Regeneration is the work of God in our heart that happens to us before we move to Him. It is God coming to get us, God getting down and renovating our heart before we ever uh, have any desire to move towards him. And here is the truth. You all need the second birth. Every single person in this room needs the second birth. You need regeneration. Here's why. Here's why. Look at verse 11. He came to his own, Jesus did, and his own people did not receive him. That is a tragedy. That is an utter tragedy. See, Jesus came home. He came home to his own people, and his own people didn't receive him. His own people uh, uh, rejected him. I, uh, like I said, I spent uh, 20 years in the city and moved back in 2019, and it is my weekly, almost weekly experience of running into some, someone, and I have no recollection who they are, right? Because people change so much. You know, over 20 years, uh, you know, they get crazy beards like this. And they look like a crazy man coming out the wilderness. And they don't recognize me. I don't recognize them. But it probably also says a lot about my mental state uh, back in the day. It probably wasn't, uh, I probably wasn't in the best place uh, in life. But uh, I don't recognize uh, folks a lot of times. Jesus came home to his own folk, and his own folk did not receive him. So when it says he came to his own people, what do you think that's talking about? It's talking about the nation of Israel. You know, Jesus was a Jew. Jesus was a Jewish man, and the Jews rejected him. By and large, they, they rejected him. 
And really, this is, this is, a, this is really a shocking example of human sin. That, that, that these people who had waited thousands of years for their Savior and their King and their Messiah, right, that He finally came. Right, let me just backtrack a little. God chose the nation of Israel to be the ones through whom He would save the world. He promised them that this King would come. That we call the Messiah. If you've ever heard that word Messiah before, that's what it's talking about. The King of Israel. They had been waiting for Him forever. And when He appeared, they not only dismissed Him, but they helped the government murder Him. This is where our hearts are truly at. The Apostle Paul uh, was one of these people. He hated Jesus. He hated Christians until the resurrected, the living Jesus, the Jesus who died and rose, rode up on him and was like, I'm here. And you need to knock it off. Right? And he changed his life. And he went out to be the greatest uh, Christian pastor, missionary, whoever it was. And his heart broke over the fact that the, the, the Jewish people rejected Jesus. Look what it says in Romans chapter 9, 2 and 3. It says, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. I could wish myself were cursed. He said, listen, I would trade going to hell if my people would accept Jesus. Cut off from, were cursed and, and cut off from Christ, the Messiah, for the benefit of my brothers and sisters, my own flesh and blood. See, Israel as a nation rejected their Savior, and they continue to to this day. But who are we to judge? Who are we to judge? Right? And, and, you know, as Christians, we ought to reject all forms of anti-Semitism. That is, out in the streets, on the college campuses, by politicians, we ought to utterly reject that type of thing um, as Christians. And, and, and because we have no reason to judge. And this passage explains why we don't have any reason to judge. Go back to verse 10. Go back to verse 10 real quick. Look at this. Jesus was in the world, the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. That's you. That's me. Right? See, Israel was just a small sample of all of us, that we all reject Jesus. Do you, you know, no one comes into this world like jumping for joy for Jesus. Oh, man, that's my whole, sole purpose in life is to love Jesus, worship him. You know, I mean, are people beating down the doors of the church this morning to get in here? No, they're, they're at home eating beef jerky and getting ready to watch football or something, something silly. Right? It's just not the way it is. Um, so the world did not recognize him. Our failure to recognize Jesus looks like indifference. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like in our culture today. You know, mostly it's just, we're just like, take it or leave it. It's whatever. You know what I mean? I'd rather just do this little thing over here, this little hobby of mine instead. Um, somebody turned me on to uh, pickled deer heart. And so they, 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 they talked it up, right? Like, it's amazing, man. It was so good. Pickled deer heart. So I killed a deer, I got the heart, I took that heart, and I said, no! I just bit that heart. No, I'm just kidding, I didn't do that part. That was a joke. That's just for you. Um, I got the heart, and I made the pickled, pickled deer heart, and I tried it. You know what? It was just okay. I'm probably never going to make it again. Tried it a couple times, it's, 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 it's not for me. I don't uh, recommend it. But we treat Jesus like pickled deer heart in our, our, our culture. In our community. It's just like, yeah, tried it one time, not for me. That's how we treat, and that's a tragedy. It really is, it is an utter tragedy. But, you know, John and Jesus don't leave us in the midst of our tragedy. Because it doesn't have to end in tragedy. Because Jesus was born 
He was born into this world to save us from that, to wake us up spiritually, to give us new life, new eyes, new heart. He's able, he's, he came to give us the good life. So how does the second birth work? How, do, what is that, what, how does that work? How does God get down into our, the real you, your heart down there, and change it? Well, look at verse 13. Look at verse 13. It tells us. Those who get the second birth are born not of natural descent, nor the will of the flesh, or the will of man, but of God. So, how does it happen? It happens by grace. And that is the heart of the Scriptures. That's the heart of the Bible, is, the, is this message of grace. Let me ask you, what did you do to be born? Not a thing, right? You, you, some, you ever hear someone say, I brought you into this world, I'll take you out? I don't know about the second part of that, but the first part is definitely true, right? You might want to not try them if they say that to you. You didn't do anything to be brought in this world. You were brought into it, right? You, it, was, it, was, it was all of, uh, of grace. And, and the second birth here is described uh, uh, negatively three ways. Y'all see that? Who were born, not of natural descent, or the will of the flesh, or the will of man, right? So, the second birth is not a physical birth. It's not what it's talking about. That can't happen. The second birth, having a right relationship with God, being right with God, is not about what family you belong to. It's not about whether you come from a good family, or you, you, your family went to church, or you had a relative that went to church, or, or something. you're descended from Christian people, or anything like that. You're, you're born Jewish, nothing like that. It's not by human effort. So, when it comes to the second birth, all human work is ruled out. There's nothing that we can do to save ourselves. Do you see the drastic position that we're in? We cannot save ourselves. We cannot try harder, do better, work more, uh, be whatever it is. All human work is ruled out. The new birth Regeneration, the second birth, is a miracle. It's a miracle. We can only be born of God and no other way. There is no other way to go from spiritual death. Jesus is pickled deer heart to going, Jesus is the best thing since sliced bread. There's no way to, go, to get here other than God uh, does that in you. The only way to want to believe in Jesus to want to follow Jesus, to want to bow down at His feet, to worship Him, is God must do it. It is all of grace. It is His gift that He has to give to us. There was a pastor, his name was Martin Lloyd-Jones. They called him the doctor because he was a physician and became a Christian and went to be a, it was a pastor in, in London at Westminster Chapel for like 30 years during the 40s through the uh, 70s. And uh, this is what he says in his book, uh, The Cross. Look at this. Grace is favor shown to people who do not deserve any favor at all. The second birth is a gift given to people who don't deserve it. We deserve nothing but hell. That is basic to Christianity. This is what we deserve from God, but it doesn't have to end in the tragedy because he gives Jesus was born. If you think you deserve heaven, take it from me. You are not a Christian. What say you? 
Do you think you deserve heaven here this morning? Do you think that, that God owes you? Do you think that um, you're just automatically just, you're, gonna, you're going to heaven no matter what? You, you're right with God. God knows your heart. In fact, he does, right? He, he, he does. When we, uh, when we got to Pittsburgh, we arrived at the hotel. We went with my, my in-laws, and um, we had two rooms, and uh, they made a mistake or something, and uh, they upgraded us to the sister hotel uh, for free. So we got a nicer hotel rooms, and we got them completely for free. That's grace. We didn't do anything to deserve it. We didn't pay for it, and we didn't earn it in any way. This is the second birth. We don't deserve it. We cannot work for it, and we can't pay God uh, back for it. That's how grace works. God freely gives the second birth because of nothing in us, but only because of God's love and his kindness towards us. The second birth is by grace. It's a gift. It's, a, it's like a Christmas gift. It's given to you completely for free. But if you've ever gotten a gift, what do you got to do with it? You have to receive it. Right? You, have to, you, have to make it uh, you have to make it your own. So Grace has to be received through faith. God works in our hearts by His Spirit to give faith to receive um, grace. So our, 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 our trip to Pittsburgh uh, this past week was all of grace. I told you I was going to make my father-in-law pay for the whole thing. As a matter of fact, he, 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 that's what, that was his plan. Pay for the whole thing. We had to go through all these tolls, you know what I mean, to go to Pittsburgh. When we came back and uh, my father-in-law pulled out some cash and he said, here you go. And all I did was open my hand, and he put the cash in my hand. That empty hand is faith, right? We come to God empty-handed like beggars, and he puts Jesus in our hands. That's what faith is. Faith is the empty hand that receives Jesus um, into our heart uh, and into um, our lives. Look at uh, verse 12 again, or verse 12, yeah. But to all... Yeah, John chapter 1, verse 12. But to all who did receive him, that's Jesus. He gave them the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name. See, the second birth is about God's grace through faith of receiving Jesus. Salvation is in Jesus and Jesus alone. We come to believe in him. That's faith, right? What was placed into my empty hand was cash. It was money. What is placed into our, the empty hand of our heart and our soul is Jesus. That, that's how, we, that's how we, we come to know God. And we're given a new life is in Christ. And that's what John is getting at here when he says that to those who believe in his name, believe in Jesus' name. What, what do you think that means, by the way? Believe in Jesus' name. You know, names were a big deal in Jesus' day, by the way. Uh, you remember the story when Jesus was born, and the angel told uh, Joseph, you're going to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. See, even Jesus' name has significance, right? It, it means the Lord saves. So names had, had a, had a, were a big deal during Jesus' day. Jesus' name refers to all that's true about him. Jesus' name refers to the total person of Jesus, all of who he is. 
So what is that? What is the total person of Jesus? Believing in that. What, what, what is uh, um, all of that's true about him? Here, here's the deal. We don't believe in a Jesus that affirms us. That's not the real Jesus. The real Jesus is not someone that I believe who just affirms me wherever I'm already at in life. The real Jesus is not the Jesus that never disagrees with me, by the way. No, he disagrees quite a bit. Right? He was murdered for a reason. Because he spoke the truth. You know, the real Jesus is, is not the Jesus that, that I carve out, that I make, I carve, you know, like the chainsaw carvings, they make the little statues of the bear or whatever. I don't carve a Jesus that looks just like me. No, it's the real Jesus. Let me just give you a sample of who that is. We believe in the Jesus who was there before anything was there. We believe in the Jesus who is the eternal God. We believe in the Jesus who is God. We believe in the Jesus who was born, who came into this world. God took flesh upon himself and was born as a baby. We believe in the Jesus who grew up, became a grown man, went out, had a three-year ministry of preaching, teaching, healing, miracles, and was murdered by the Romans and the Jews under, under Pontius Pilate, that he was buried in a barred tomb, Joseph Arimathea. That tomb was found to be empty. Right? No one's ever found the body of Jesus because it ascended to the right hand of the Father from where he's going to return again one day to make everything new again. We believe in the Jesus who died on the cross as a substitute sacrifice as the Lamb of God for all of our wretched sins so that we might be saved, we might be forgiven, we may be brought back to God. You know, believing in Jesus is way more than just acknowledging that he's real. You know, believing in Jesus is way more just like knowing some facts about Jesus, like all the facts that I just have given you. It is receiving him as a person, right? It is coming to trust in him as a real person, just like I trust my wife. She's a real person. I put my trust in her. It is, it is banking on him as a real person, what he's done for you and who he is. So let me ask you a question. Do you need to receive him here today? Do you need to receive Jesus here today? Do you need to believe in his name here today? Where, where are you at with Jesus here this morning? Right? If, if you want to receive Jesus right here, right where you're at, right now, and God is, he is speaking to you about that, you can do that. Tap out. Bow the knee to Jesus and give your, give your uh, life uh, to him here today. And if that's so, then you need to follow him immediately and get baptized here this morning. Why not? What, what else you got to do here this morning? Why not get baptized? We, got, we actually have extra clothes here in the back, extra towels, shorts, shirts, uh, and we're ready for you. If you're here and you've come to believe in Jesus, even right here, right now, we would love to baptize you just like they did back in uh, Jesus's day and age. What happens when a child is born? I know when my girls uh, were born, we welcomed them into our family, and they became our, our children. You know, we welcomed them into a loving family. You know what? That's the same thing that happens when someone is given the second birth. Look, look at what uh, John says here in verse 12 again. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. You see that? Everyone who receives Jesus, Jesus has the authority to make you a child of God. 
That is amazing. That, that, is, a, that is a wonderful, incredible uh, reality. If you receive Jesus, God gives you the right to become his son or his daughter. Just think about it. Man. You can go from being like a nobody, a black sheep, somebody who, who's forgotten about or maybe is not loved or accepted, to going to be a child of the eternal king of the universe. That's quite a change of status, by the way. Look at, look at how John wrote about this in a little letter he wrote called 1 John. Uh, in verse, chapter 3, verse 1. See what great love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children, and we are. I love, I love that, last, that last little part uh, there. And, and we are. If you, if you receive Jesus, you believe in his name, you are God's daughter. You are God's son, brother to Jesus. That is, that is amazing. That is incredible. Maybe you're here this morning and you're struggling thinking that you're worthless. Uh, maybe you're here this morning and you think that um, you're forgotten or you're, you're a piece of trash. Or maybe you're struggling with um, thinking whether your life is really worth it, whether you want to live or, or die or not, and you, got, you struggle with suicidal thoughts. If you believe in Jesus, you're a child of the King. That is amazing. That is absolutely amazing. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like up on the high horse a little bit, you know, uh, because of maybe how much money you got or some experiences that you've had in life, or because you're, not, you're better than some people, right, uh, that, that maybe God owes you. But you've got to come down off of that this morning. Recognize that being God's son or daughter is not about you trying to earn his love and earn that position, right? My daughters don't have to do a single thing for me to love them. I love them because of who they are. They're my kids. They don't have to earn my love, and you don't have to earn uh, God's love either, Maybe you're here and you'll say this morning, Ricky, I don't really feel like a child of God. Well, if you believe in his name, to hell with your feelings. And I mean the literal hell, because that's where they need to go. And it really ultimately doesn't matter, uh, it doesn't matter how, you, how you feel, right? You, you think that kids that are in the foster care system, that, that are adopted into a new family, you think they ever struggle with feeling loved or wonder if they really are like, this is really my forever family or, you know, these people are really going to accept me. They're really going to uh, love me. I would imagine they do. I would imagine they do. But you know what? It ultimately doesn't matter if they're part of a good family. If they've been legally adopted, then they have a new family now. They have a new mom and a new dad. They may struggle with how they feel, but it doesn't change the reality that they've been adopted into a, a new uh, family. So it doesn't even matter how you feel about yourself if you believe in the name of Jesus. It doesn't matter how you see yourself. It matters how God the Father sees you in Jesus. That's what matters the most. It matters about these words that we're reading and we're um, talking about here this morning. I think about this. Is anybody, do you guys ever struggle with like social anxiety or you know, uh, maybe walking into a room of people you, you don't know or uh, feels a little awkward, uh, uh, things like that. In, maybe, maybe you struggle with uh, insecurity. What is all that stuff in, anyway, by the way? What is all that stuff? Just think about it. Some people might put like a mental health diagnosis on it or something like that, uh, but I was sure you no one has ever proven that to you. What it is is fear of what other people would think about you. It is being worried and anxious about what other people 
uh, uh, think. And you know what? The Bible has a ton to say about that. The Bible has a ton to say about uh, those type of things. Do you want to be free from that here this morning? Would, you like, would anybody here like to just not care what other people think about them? Everybody's smiling and shaking their head. You know that's something we all, we all struggle with, me, myself included. You think I don't uh, worry about what you guys are thinking about me as I'm standing up? I'm standing up in front of everybody. Anybody else want to take a stab at this? This is people's greatest fear. Here's how you overcome it. You wholeheartedly believe that Jesus has given you the right to be a child of God. If you wholeheartedly believe that you are a child of the eternal king, what does it matter if Bill, what Billy thinks about you? Or Joe thinks about you? Or John? It doesn't matter. Right? Ultimately, it matters what God thinks about you. He accepts you. That he loves you. And you know what? All of this is what baptism is showing us. Baptism is a vivid picture of why Jesus was born. He was born to give us second birth. Jesus was born and died and rose to raise people from spiritual death and to give them new life. So when someone is up here and they get into the water and they go under the water and they come up out of the water, that is a picture of what God has done for us in Christ. They're going, their spiritual death is the way they used to live. And they've been buried with Christ and they've been raised to have new spiritual life. And baptism is preaching to you that sermon. Look at look what the Apostle Paul says about this in Colossians chapter 2, uh, verse 12. Look at this. He, and he's telling them, this is, this is what has happened to you. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You see, and that's what we're going to celebrate here in a couple minutes. That's what we're going to celebrate, what God has done in these folks' life uh, here in the life of our church. And you know, that reality ought to make us the most grateful people on the face of the earth. This is a celebration. If you have been given the second birth, man, we ought to be walking around spreading the Christmas cheer. That, that's, what, that's what spreads Christmas cheer, not just singing loudly for all to hear. Some of you got the L for reference. It's all good. Uh, it, what spreads Christmas cheer is the, is, is the cheer deep down within spilling over. It's the new life. It's the eternal life, the good life that God puts deep down in your heart that flows out of you like a river of living water, just as Jesus said. We have been given the greatest gift that could ever possibly, you could ever possibly imagine. Spiritual orphans, rebels, enemies, children of the devil adopted into the family of God. Is there a greater gift? In all, all, the, all the universe, we've been given second birth by the, by the Spirit. And the response to that gift is one big thank you. That's the response. God, thank you. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you that you took me from spiritual death. I didn't give two cents about Jesus to him changing my life, him coming into my life. Right? So... I say we choose gratitude over grumbling this Christmas. What do you think? If, if we deserve hell, as Dr. Lloyd-Jones says, and we've been given everything in Jesus, we ought not grumble about anything. But we ought to celebrate. We ought to sing hallelujah, like we just said earlier. And that's how we want to respond.